Welcome to the Diligent Woman Podcast, where Christian women let go of their guilt and step out in confidence by bringing God into every part of the day, learning by examples in scripture, applying simple principles, and trusting the Lord with it all. I am Angela Legg of thediligentwoman.com, and I welcome you to grow in grace and truth one step at a time. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to today's podcast of the Diligent Woman podcast. This is our final episode of season one. This whole season we have been looking at how to look at our Bible as this book that was written to meet our needs in all of our circumstances and how this book truly fulfills what God says that it is meant to in second peter 1 and verse 3 where he says that this is something that's supposed to be for life and godliness god's power has given us everything for life and godliness and both of those words encompass both spiritual and physical things and god spends a lot of time in scripture giving us examples and giving us admonitions for how to live in this physical life so that we are prepared and are made ready to meet him as the eternal beings in the next life, right? And so all season, we've looked at multiple ideas, going in and trying to pull from scripture what we can learn for specific things, because we can always go and read our scriptures, read through them every year, just as a regular act of having physically read through them. But sometimes we can also be benefited by slowing down and focusing on what the scriptures say and how do they apply to me right now in the season that I'm in, because your circumstances are different than the person next to you. Both of you, you may, you know, maybe you and your friend, and she also is married and has children. You're married, you have children. So in that way, you all are in a similar season, but your lives are completely different. The activities that you fill your day with are different. The issues that you run into with your spouses are not always identical. Your children have different issues, different struggles that you have with them, different joys that they bring to you. There's a lot of similarities, but there are differences, and you are each individual different people. And so you can study the scriptures, seeing what it tells everyone in the general vein, but then also taking the time to let God's word talk to you where you are and to let it help you. We've looked at how God can help those in marriage. How God can help women in any circumstance to be like the woman that is described in Proverbs 31. How if you go looking through scriptures, you will find that all women can be a woman like the woman in Proverbs 31. She's not created because she's married. She doesn't just become the woman in Proverbs 31 because she's married and has children. She's a woman who does things in a certain way because she's a woman who fears the Lord. And that can be a descriptor for any woman. Any Christian woman can be that woman, can be a woman who gives her time and her energy to others in a way that seeks out what's good for them, 
that she is productive with her day, that she tries to find opportunities to help others, that she is industrious and tries to make sure that she has what she and her family needs so that she doesn't have to be begging off of others in, in that circumstance. And so that she's ready to give and to take care of others and, and to do what she can. She's preparing for that, preparing for the seasons that come. And any one of us can be that woman. But it's always a woman who is cloaked in being a woman who fears the Lord. And this is where her beauty and her value, all of it stems from, being a woman who fears the Lord. And so we looked at that. We looked at how we can use the Bible as a textbook, whether or not the Bible even lays that out as that this is a textbook for our lives, not a dry, boring, just fact-filled book to, of things to memorize, but instead a textbook that is a living book that gives us life examples and so much information that we can just keep coming back to it. But it is a textbook because it is written by the expert. The expert, God, put these words down. He used these men to put these words down so that they would be retained for us. So it's a textbook that has been written by the best of the best. There is no one better. God is our number one expert in all subjects. And so we're going to trust him in that. In today's um, episode, I want to spend just a little bit of time looking at how we can we can study in you know studying into prayer, but to to even to um, express our prayers better day to day. One thing that is is a very popular thing to do is to have gratitude journals and to express our thanksgiving, which we absolutely must do. God tells us that we must be thankful. It is not a suggestion. It is a command that we must be thankful. And so we need to be expressing our gratitude. But over in Matthew 6, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount also told the people to be careful of something. In Matthew 6, in verse 7, he says, And when you are praying, this is when he's told them to go into the inner room. Don't make a show of your praying. Don't pray in front of people so they'll see you praying just for the sake of seeing you pray. Um, you go into your closet and pray. Do it. Bet that's between you and God. And it's not about you showing others how righteous you are. But when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. In other translations, it says vain repetitions. When something is vain, it's useless. And he gives that concept here. In the uh, New American Standard, they, they translate it as meaningless, useless. That means repeating words for nothing more than the sake of having something to say and not meaning it or not believing what those words are saying. And so one thing that we want to be careful about is when we're expressing our gratitude to God, that we don't just say the same things all of the time and that just be it. Now, we can repeat ourselves. There's lots of psalms that have the same phrases repeated over and over, but they are heartfelt. And you can mean the same phrase. I mean, after all, we say I love you and mean it all of the time, right? But we don't have a whole lot of other phrases to fill in that gap, to mean what we mean when we say I love you. But we can say it with different emphasis. We can say it in ways that are a little less 
meaningful, like to say love you is different than I love you, right? So when we're talking to God and when we're expressing our gratitude, one way that we can work on our prayers to make sure that while we're in the middle of all our hustle and bustle and while we're trying to make time for God, that we're not just saying the same stuff for lack of being able to think of anything else to say. So we're going to mine God's word to give us words that we can say to express our thanksgiving. And so I wanted to look at three examples of that. And as always, because this whole season has been about using scripture writing as a means to study and to mine God's word, but to help it become more of something that is actually written on your heart. This again is coming from a scripture writing plan, and I will put that down below the episode. But it is also something that you can create. You can create a scripture writing plan. Just take out a concordance, look up all of the versions of the word thanks, thanksgiving, gratitude, depending on what translation you're using. Use a concordance that goes back to the King James and get those original words and then see how they translate into new new versions and make a list. And there you have a scripture writing plan. It's a very long one if you got to do one on this topic. God is very verbose about gratitude and thanksgiving. It is the one thing that we need to express all the time because saying thank you acknowledges what was done for you. When you say thank you, you are not only saying you appreciate it being done for you, but you're acknowledging what was done. And so every time we tell God thank you, we are telling him, I know that you are God and that you did this for me. And so we want to find more ways of saying that. We want to see how how the examples in scripture said that um, and learn from them. And so one of them I'm going to go to today is over in 2 Samuel chapter 22. The fun thing is this is also completely offered twice in scripture. This entire chapter of 2 Samuel chapter 2 is also provided again in the book of Psalms. It is Psalm 18 is this entire context it's not it's not changed it's not just referred to it is it god repeats it which for me i find that significant god repeats himself when he wants us to get the point and there's only a handful of times that he repeats the same thing exactly the same way more than one time there's lots of times he refers to things in a variety of ways so you get all the nuances like in psalm 119 you get all these nuances of the word And none of it is a verbatim repetition. He spends all of these stanzas explaining what his wisdom is and the power of it. You know, David explaining how that works in his life. And he's got all this room to do that. And it's not repetitive. Each one is slightly unique. Um, But God, on occasion, repeats things. And he repeats them exactly. Sometimes he does it in the same verse. He repeats it several times in the same verse. Or he'll just repeat it over and think about with Peter. Peter, do this. Feed my flock. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Tend my sheep if you love me. He says it to him multiple times. Why? So Peter would get it. So this entire psalm is worth mining on its own. Um, But at the end of the psalm, in verses 47 through 51, the psalm is summed up. Okay, this is a psalm that the whole thing is a praise to God and what God has done. 
It starts off in verse in the first verse of the psalm itself that the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. This is the premise that's being given in this in this whole um, area of talking. And it gets summed up in verses 47 through 51 with some powerful words that we can use because these apply to us as much as they did to David. Okay. Second Samuel chapter 22, verse 47. The Lord lives and blessed be my rock and exalted be God, the rock of my salvation. The God who executes vengeance for me and brings down peoples under me who also brings me out from my enemies, you even lift me above those who rise up against me. You rescue me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the nations, and I will sing praises to your name. He is a tower of deliverance to his king and shows loving kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. Just in this summing up that David gives he makes it personal what God has done the very last verse shows that he's done this for everyone it's for the kingdom it's for David and his descendants forever but he first makes it personal he says God the rock of my salvation and he is my rock so he's expounding on that idea he says he starts off with he's my rock Blessed be my rock and exalted be God. Well, what kind of rock is he? The rock of my salvation. And he makes it personal and you can too. You can take those words and you can repeat those. If you have found salvation in Christ through obedient faith, where you have gone, you have seen what Christ has done for you, what you would be without him. And you have acknowledged that and you have been obedient to him in all of those ways and become a, a member of his family in his church and you have put on Christ through baptism. If you have done those things, then you should know that this is something that you are nothing without. And the gratitude should just pour from us. But we get busy and we get worried about our kids and we get worried about buying groceries and we get worried about getting the chores done. And we take for granted all of the blessings that come with this walk. The very fact that God tells you to express your gratitude acts as a reminder to you of what to be thankful for. And David gives a great example in 2 Samuel 22 for how you can express that. Expressing what God has done for you the whole rest of the chapter can lay that out for you, all the things that God has done. Ways to word how God has created all things. And it's not too much. It's not being showy. It's not flowery. It's not having too many words to tell God what you know about God. Because the point is, is if you talk to God about what you know about Him, it reinforces your mind and it reinforces your faith in what you know. And it builds your faith kind of makes this beautiful circle kind of like God intended it that way and these are words that you can put into your arsenal so that your gratitude is not in the mundane all the time should we be thankful for the mundane things thank you for waking up today that's a biggie 
even in the mundane, even in the worldly scope. 1 Corinthians 7 talks about my marriage, that these are worldly concerns. Well, I need to be thankful for those as much as I need to be thankful for my soul. But I also should be able to express what I understand about God if I have any understanding that I have come to through his scriptures because God spent a lot of time giving me a picture of what he is for me. And he wants to know that I understand that. He wants to hear that from you. He wants to have you reaching for him. He's not very far, but you've got to do the looking. You've got to do the reaching. And he wants you to tell him. He tells us in Acts 17, God doesn't need our worship. He knows who he is. He's not looking to build his ego. He's very confident in who he is. But you need to know who he is. And oddly enough, one of the best ways to teach yourself and to remind yourself about what God is, is to read and say out loud and write down what God has told you about himself. It's actually the best way to learn just about anything. It's for you to dive in and find what it is that you know, write it down, read it, say it out loud, tell it to somebody else. And you're going to know that better. And this is what our prayers can be full of. So from 2 Samuel chapter 22, we can learn, we can make this personal and make all of the things that we acknowledge that God has done. The storm that passed through yesterday that missed my home. I can praise God and thank him for protecting me in that way. That he covered me in that way. And I can accept that as personal without it being a front to the person that it didn't miss. Because I pray a different prayer to him for his protection and his comfort for them in their circumstances. Because the protection is not just in the storm missing me. It's in trusting God with wherever the storm lands. Is that he was there and he's the one that I look to for that. And so I can make this personal whether I literally have enemies coming at me. Which got to be true. I mean, on social media, you kind of feel like you got enemies everywhere, whether they're personal enemies or just the world's kind of against you, depending on how you think, right? Both, both sides of every argument thinks the other side is against them. And it gets ugly. <laughs> so we need protection from our enemies. And whatever battles we're fighting, God is the one who's going to save the day. If you let him. And when he does, acknowledge it and tell him. Let it be known that you know that he did that and then you tell others. Um, I love that it's, you know, I will sing praises to your name. I love this idea because the word can literally mean singing, which, you know, that could be using your voice as, as an instrument in singing. But we use that phrase all the time, even just to mean I will go and spread your praises everywhere. I am going to, I can't be quiet. I am going to, with joy and energy, tell people all these praises about you. Um, and we need to make sure that we're not quiet about the praises for God that we have and that we show our gratitude to him. But first and foremost, we need to tell him about it. Then let's jump over to the book of Jonah. I grabbed this one because it's not necessarily the first one that um, 
you know, that we would go to. There's lots of uh, scriptures that show gratitude and express that gratitude. And we all know Jonah, the ending of Jonah is a little uncertain because Jonah's still kind of cranky at the end. <laughs> even though God has corrected him and great things happen for Nineveh, Jonah still doesn't exactly, you know, acquiesce and, and agree with God. He's still mad. Um, at the end of Jonah, but I don't know how the rest of Jonah's story went. It just ends. But what we do have preserved for us in the middle of that story is while Jonah is in the belly of the fish. Because God sends him to the belly of the fish to get a wake-up call and a humility check. And Jonah then tells of the prayer that he prayed. And how he, how he came to recognize what his error was. And realizing that he's being chastised. And at the end of this prayer, in Jonah chapter 2, verses 7 through 9, Jonah acknowledges, While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving that which I have vowed I will pay salvation is from the Lord and because of this because Jonah acknowledged God acknowledged that it is possible to turn away from vain idols and that even if they do or they don't, Jonah needed to recognize that he will sacrifice with a voice of thanksgiving. Not, not complaining, not bringing, you know, a lack of mercy on people. But he's going to be thankful for what God does. Not being upset because God caught him and he couldn't get away, but realizing that his salvation is in the Lord. And he goes, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. My voice is going to express my gratitude. And he says, this is while I was fainting away. He'd been three days in the belly of this fish. He's starting to fall asleep. He's starting to, it's coming to the end and his thoughts are of God. And he says, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to him. God heard him. Even through all of the fighting that Jonah has been doing. He's in the belly of the fish because he tried to run away. He refused to do what God told him to do. He says, go take this message to these people. And Jonah said, no, they don't deserve it. So much so, I'm not going to go. I'm going to run the other way to him. It was the end of the earth. Little did he know God sees everything. God comes, makes his presence known. Jonah's like, okay, this is because of me. It's causing a mess. And they throw him into the water. And things calm down for the others, and Jonah gets swallowed. And while he's there, he learns his lesson, at least for the moment. And he expresses his praise and thanksgiving to God. And these are words that you and I can use. In the days when it was really hard, I prayed and you heard me. I told you what was on my heart and I know you heard. Because God says he hears. 
He hears the prayers of the faithful. And he says, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. What's a sacrifice? That's choosing to do something with what is yours. To do something with it in service to the Lord instead of in service to yourself. I'm going to use my words to voice my thanksgiving. I'm going to give up the things that I would talk about or say that would benefit me. And I'm going to take time and use my words for the Lord and to express that thanksgiving. And he goes, that which I have vowed, I will pay. And God tells us in several places, especially over in Ecclesiastes, it is a dangerous thing to make a vow and not to keep it. You better keep your vow. Um, you're better off not making a vow. Don't make a vow because if you break it, it's terrible. Um, God very much expects you that if you promised it, you need to go through with it. It's a serious thing. And so he prays that as part of his thanksgiving and his gratitude. He says, I am promising to be grateful. And I'm going to keep my vow. We, these are things that we can say. These are words that we can infuse into our prayers because they do apply to us. We're not literally in the belly of a fish. But we have dark days. We have some days probably where each one of us has turned away and run away from God. Didn't want to do the thing that we knew we should be doing. We knew better, but we made excuses. and Like, nope, it's not the right day. I only think I ought to do that. It's not really the right thing to do. I've got other things to do. Let other things take more important things. And we keep getting this nudge. This is where we need to be. And it keeps getting put in front of us. And we try to ignore it. But then we have those moments where it's like, okay, I'm listening. I'm just going to do what I know is the right thing to do. And God's going to work it out. And that's where Jonah came to in the belly of the fish. So use Jonah's words here. He still has a struggle with Nineveh. We never see him come around to a place where he's really okay with Nineveh uh, having salvation. He's not happy about it. But God didn't let Jonah get in his way. And we need to remember that. Okay. Last scripture to kind of fuel your words of gratitude when you are praying. Showing thanksgiving to God. Over in 1 Corinthians 15. You have this whole this whole chapter where basically Paul is kind of summing up. He's giving he's giving the people in Corinth who have all these issues and all these divisions. He's going, let's get back to brass tacks. This is what is important. This is what you need to remember. It's not your uh, superiority in because of the gifts that you've been given or who baptized you. Or you're feeling that your sense of pride because you can tolerate this man who has this sin in his life and you feel so proud of yourself. They have all of this arrogance that they're carrying with them while they're doing things incorrectly and that they need to have corrected. And he gets back here to the basic of the gospel, the gospel which I preached to you, which you received. And he tells them what all of it is. And he doesn't want it to be in vain that they accepted this gospel, which at the base of that gospel is the fact that Christ came, he died, he was buried, and he was raised again. And he is now serving next to God, right? He has been raised, and he is in charge. Over in Ephesians, he talks about all things being put under Jesus' feet. And it's through this process, the fulfillment of this plan, 
Well, the rest of this chapter goes into all of the benefits and the hope and all of the way these things connect to one another. And that it is important how you interact with one another because this is at the core of your relationship as a Christian. And over towards the end of the chapter, in verses 54 through 58, okay? This is over in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 54 through 58. Paul is going to express some thanksgiving, and these are words that we can that we can use. He says, But when this perishable will have been put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. These verses can form your gratitude that God has taken away the fear of death. We don't need to be afraid of dying because our hope is in him and our end is not the grave. The grave is a pause. It's just stepping stone, new season because our soul is eternal. And it is through his word that we have access to that, that the gates are open to us and that we can access those through his word, through that obedient of faith to him. And his thanks be to God who gives us the victory. We have the victory. All Satan has is death. It's a pretty shallow victory because Christ is overcome. Satan can make your life here miserable. But it, it's misery and frustration and effort. But if you've got God as your focus and you're living and walking in him, all of that stuff is nothing. Not when you've got an eternity with him as your hope. And that's not a wish. That's a hope. That's a promise of something you know is going to come. You just haven't seen it yet. Abraham had that hope. He knew he was looking for another city, for another country. He didn't see it in his physical lifetime, but he knew it to be true. That's hope. And we have that. And oh, we need to be thankful for it. And Paul gives us so much to be thankful for here. The whole chapter is just full of all of that. But this summing up here where he's where he's giving that. And then when he he ends it with therefore, which is so because of all of this, because of this wonderful thing that God has given us, this victory through Christ Jesus, this makes it where you can be steadfast. So I can ask God, help me to be steadfast and thank you for giving me the strength to be steadfast when it's hard. Being immovable, when you know what is right and you're confident in God's word and not being able to be moved. That's a positive thing when you're right with God. 
We should be thankful for it and constantly working and doing the learning that needs to go so that we can fit that. So that I can be unmovable. Because if I'm immovable, I don't have doubts. We have to get rid of those doubts, the things that make those roadblocks that get in our way of being able to move forward. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. It's a continual thing. We don't do this once and be done. Always abounding over the other books. He says, do this more and more. Abound still more. I know you're good at this, but do it more. It's never enough to have already done it. You need to keep on doing it. And not letting anything get in the way of you serving the Lord in that way. Knowing that your toil is not in vain because it's not about here. It is going to impact this life here. But it's not in vain that you go through the fight. That is something to be thankful for. And so that's one way that you can come and look at God's word. To find things to express your thanksgiving for. You don't have to just leave it at thank you for your salvation, which is huge. Get into the details. Thank you for sending your son by whom I have access to salvation. Thank you for your plan before you ever created this world. Thank you for the thought of me that allowed me to be here. I'm here in this time, in this place, and you knew I would be. And thank you for all the things that you set in motion for me so that I could be here and I could play a part in telling the story. We can say thank you for that, for our part in it. All of these people in scripture who were faithful to God, they were grateful for the part that they got to play. They weren't thinking, oh, I wish I was that other guy. They just were them (laughs) in their moment. Abraham never knew who David was. There's no grass is greener on the other side. Abraham's just doing the best he can with what he knows where he is. Same goes for us. Same as it did for everyone who was counted as faithful to the Lord. And we need to express that gratitude. David obviously is the king of expressing the gratitude. He's he's the one who gave us more words of gratitude to use. The Psalms are just full of that. David was good at that. But other people were good at expressing it through the way they lived their lives and expressing it in smaller ways. When I think of the centurion or Jairus, these men who came up to Christ and just knew who he was and quietly acknowledged the authority that Jesus had and showed what kind of faith they had that Jesus is. He is God and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. They knew that he was capable of healing these people and he didn't even have to be there. In the case of the centurion, you don't need to come to my house. You're one who has authority. All you have to do is say it be done and it will be done. Because all things answer to your call. The centurion had that kind of faith and it expresses a gratitude that Jesus is God and that he has that ability because you can ask him to do those things. This is the God we serve. Expressing that gratitude should be something that is easy for us, but oftentimes it is really hard to put it into words, sometimes because it's so big. Fortunately, you have been given a book (laughs) where God in his glorious 
masterful writing ability, a master of language. Put it down into words that we can understand and that we can relate to. Find a story of someone who's like you. If you're a young single woman, find a story that deals with a younger woman who's single and find something glorious in the story. If you're an older woman who's a widow, find a story about an older woman who's a widow and find something glorious in the story and talk to God about it. Anna does not have very much space given to her in the book of Luke, but oh, the glorious story that she is given just in that space for what she did with her life and the opportunity that she was granted for Christ coming into her presence at that time to fulfill what she'd been looking for. And then from that day on, she continued to tell people about it, to sing his praises to the nations. She fulfills that. And we see it just in a handful of verses. Find a story. Mind them. And understand them. Because God gave them to you so that your faith could grow. So that you can understand him. So you can understand the mystery. So that your faith can be obedient to him. So that you can have access to that hope. It's all doable. Even with all the things that you have on your plate. All the hats that you wear. Give God your time first. Make it a priority. We talked about that back on an earlier episode. About redeeming the time. Budget your time the way you budget your money and give God your time first. Or just make sure that he is a part of your day as you go through it. Don't don't leave him out for this small chunk. But talk to him as you're going about your day with every little thing. So that he's there when the good things are happening. And he's there when you're scared. But don't forget to tell him you're thankful. Don't just ask him for help. Remember to say thank you when the answers come. Even the no's. Say thank you. Because if he told you no, it was in your best interest. When it is obvious that the thing you asked for is something you are not getting. Tell God, thank you. Thank you for clear answers. Then I don't have to worry anymore. Isn't that what Paul did? He prayed multiple times about the thorn in the flesh. And finally God said, no, my grace is sufficient. And Paul's like, okay, going on. (laughs) Not worrying about that thorn in the flesh, whatever that was. I got my answer. He prayed until it was clear. And you say thank you and express gratitude for God taking care of you and you keep moving. So I hope that you find this encouraging. I hope that you will check out the other um, episodes from season one. I am really... Lord willing, looking forward to a fun season two. You have to uh, come back, listen to the episodes here, and keep an eye out for season two um, in a, you know in a few weeks to about a month. Hoping to release that um, in June at some point. But always come back to the podcast, see what you can check out for new episodes. But go back over these and see if you can dive into the scriptures and see how much more you can learn because that's what I want to encourage you in. That that Bible that you have is enough to feed you. It's enough that you can open it and understand it. And then when someone 
presents a sermon to you or a Bible class to you, you take what you have learned from that and you go back into your Bible and you mine it some more. You're going to be like the noble Bereans and you are going to take what you have heard and you're going to compare it to what God's word says. And you only get good at that through practice. Scripture writing helps you to get the phrases and the concepts into your mind more readily so you know where to find things. And it helps those words to always be on your heart so you can meditate them no matter on them no matter what you're doing. So I hope that, again, that this was encouraging. I hope that you find joy in it. My prayer for you always at the close of this season is the same, that you will have abundance in all things, but in direct proportion to how you have abundance in your soul. Thanks for joining me today on the Diligent Woman Podcast. Please subscribe to be notified of new episodes and share those with your friends. Until next time, enjoy.